Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're back in the book. We're finishing uh, back in the book of First Kings. We're finishing up First Kings today. We'll be starting uh, into Second Kings. We'll be getting down through Second um, Kings chapter two. So, uh, and we jump right into Second Kings because, as McGee says, um, the story just takes right back up uh, from First Kings to Second Kings. Um, and as we, we see, uh, King Ahab here is killed in battle, and his son, uh, Aziah, takes over, and he's just as bad. And then when we get to Second Kings, Second Kings, as my study Bible says, we, we see, we, we take up right from the death of Ahab, um, and then we see Elijah being taken up to heaven, and Elisha. His uh, his uh, pupil kind of takes over for him, and he and McGee makes the point that he becomes uh, just as great, or if not greater, prophet than uh, Elijah was. And then um, we see the exile of Israel and Judah, and um, the 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 complex and often shifting political setting for the book involves Israel, uh, which is the northern kingdom, Judah in the south. You got Syria to the north of that, and then you've got these regions across the, the Jordan, Ammon, Moab, and Edom, and then you got Philista, where the Philistines live, more on the um, uh, west coast over there uh, on the Mediterranean Sea, as well as the countries of Egypt, Assyria, and Babylonia, and other kingdoms. So we got a lot in store for us of the 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 book of 2 Kings. So we're taking up in 1 Kings, we're finishing up that chapter 22. Um we'll take up, you know, around verse uh 30 or so. Um you got the king of Israel who is Ahab in the north and Jeho- Jeho- Jehoshaphat um, in the, the southern kingdom, had sort of made this alliance, and we're going to go up. Ahab had asked Jehoshaphat to be with him as he goes up to take uh, back 
the 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 Ramoth Gilead, and so um, they feel like he feels like it belongs to the nation Israel. So the king of the northern kingdom Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, "I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes." Okay, so he's doing this because um, the prophet uh, Micaiah prophesied against him. He said, you're going to go, you're going to die in, in battle and don't go when all of the other prophets had said, oh, go, you'll have this great victory. So he's kind of trying to disguise himself. Maybe he's going to, you know, disguise himself from God, which is kind of folly in his own mind. But also he's kind of setting up Jehoshaphat to die because he's going to disguise himself to look like an ordinary soldier. Jehoshaphat's going to wear his own you know, robes, so he's going to look like the target. Okay, so you've got the the conniving um, King Ahab sort of on display here. And plus, he's too much of a coward and a chicken to do this battle himself. He's asking Jehoshaphat to come with him. Now, Jehoshaphat is such a good person, but his flaw seems to be that he kind of compromises. And McGee makes that point as well. You know, why is he messing around with this um, uh, Ahab who's worshiping Baal anyway? In any event, the king of Israel, who's referred to, uh, but he's Ahab, disguised himself and went into battle. Now, the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. In other words, go after him. And when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. And when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. In other words, just a random chance this guy just throws up an arrow in the air. And it, and as McGee says, it was the very first guided missile. It had Ahab's name on it. And no matter what you think you can do to outsmart God in your plans, um, God will... God's justice will find you. So, you know, this guy just shoots up an arrow. He's getting rid of it, you know, and boom, it kills or it strikes Ahab. So therefore, he says to the driver, turn around, carry me out of the battle for I'm wounded. The battle continued that day and the king was, you know, propped up in his chariot. His blood flowed to the bottom of the chariot. He's bleeding to death. And by the end of the day, um... His army was scattered, and the king died and was brought to Samaria. They buried the king in Samaria, and they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, just like the prophecy had said. This was the same place where um, Naboth, remember Naboth, back in earlier in chapter 21, had this vineyard, and uh, Ahab wanted it. Jezebel uh, had him stoned to death. And uh, so the prophecy was, the dogs are going to lick your blood in the same spot where Naboth was killed. And uh, there it was. So um, 
We don't see any more. Verse 40, so Ahab slept with his fathers, and Isaiah, his son, reigned in his place. And then Jehoshaphat, verse 41, the son of Asa began to reign over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Um, we drop down to verse 43. He walked in all the ways of Asa, his father. He did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Yet the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. So there were some... Um, So, in other words, there were still areas of um, false worship going on and um, he was a but he but he uh, worshiped the Lord and um, he made peace with the king of Israel so um, he kind of was a good king, but he had some compromises. So, um, then Isaiah, the son of Ahab, goes to Jehoshaphat and says, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat was not willing. He'd been burned once before, you know, when Ahab wanted him to get involved with his wheeling and dealings. So, he said no, and then Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Okay, so then Isaiah the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and the way of his mother. And he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger even, excuse me, in every way that his father had done. So there you go. Um, so now we come to Second Kings uh, and Isaiah is in control. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. This is one of the territories to the um, east of the the uh, Jordan River and the Dead Sea. You got Ammon, Moab, and Edom. So Moab rebels. Now Isaiah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. In other words, he fell out of a window. Like, what's that all about? Maybe he was drunk. Who knows? But he falls out of a window and he sends messengers. He says, go inquire of Beelzebub. Uh, now, I think Beelzebub literally means Lord of the Flies. But it's my study Bible says it's probably a deliberate corruption of the real word Beelzebul, which is Baal the Exalted. So they don't even write his name correctly here. They call him Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, the God of Ekron. Now, the God of Ekron... Over on the west coast, on the Mediterranean side, you've got the land of the Philistines. So you've got Gaza is a city over there on the coast, and you got Elkron, which is an important city also. So they send from Samaria, they send word down to Elkron because they want to go inquire about Beelzebub there, the god of Elkron whether I shall recover from this sickness. You know, and it's funny, we see references to Beelzebub today um, in different, you know, songs or different writings and stuff, but it's I'd never really realized where that um, came from. Baal, Baal's above, Baal the Exalted. So the, the title 
is B A it's spelled B A A L slash um Z E B U L. So Baal the Exalted. But I just thought it was one word, Baalzebub, but but Baalzebub is sort of the the um sort of not it's not calling Beelzebul, it's calling him Beelzebub, which is just sort of a um a play on words which is not exalting him. Okay, so in any event, um you know, go inquire Beelzebub whether I should recover. But the angel of the Lord now says to Elijah, Arise, go up and meet these messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, It is because there is no God in Israel. You are going to inquire. Is it because there's no God in Israel that you're going to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? In other words, it's a rhetorical question. He's saying, Is because you don't even have a God in Israel? Is that why you're going to ask Beelzebub? So you shall not come down, you shall surely die. So Elijah goes, the messengers go back to the king, and he said to them, Why have you returned? And they said, There came a man to meet us who said, Go back, you know, um, it's because there's no God in Israel. You're going to inquire Beelzebub, but you shall surely die. He's kind of saying, That's what he said to me. And then this king, you know, um, Isaiah. He's laying there. He's all sick because he fell out of a window. I don't know if he's broken. He's got broken ribs or what condition he's in. But anyway, he's been told he's going to die. He's going to, and then he says, what kind of man is this? And they describe him. He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist. And it is Elijah. So the king sent him basically a captain, 50 men to bring him to him. The king says, oh man of God, the king says, come down. But And Elijah's sitting up on a hill. He says, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And fire came down from heaven and consumed this captain and his 50 men. And then the king sends another captain of 50. He says the same thing. Elijah calls fire down from heaven and consume this 50. So the king sends another captain and another 50 men. And the third captain, he knows. So he comes and falls down on his knees, and um, he says, um, you know, have mercy on us. And so then um, Elijah says, thus says the Lord, um, Um, verse 16, because you've sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, therefore, uh, you, you know, is it because there's no god in Israel to, to acquire of his word? It's a, another rhetorical question. Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So he died. Um, and, and basically, this is what he's saying to King um, uh, Isaiah, and and I forgot uh, I didn't do a good job of, of of reading this because when the third messenger captain of the men came, he's saying, you know, please, you know, protect my life, um, 
you know, let my life be precious in your sight. So the angel of the Lord says to Elijah, go with him. You don't have to be afraid of him. So he does not call fire from heaven on this third captain. So he goes and he says to basically King Isaiah, you're going to die. And so he died. Verse 17, according to the word of the Lord, Elijah had spoken. So Jehoram now becomes king in his place. And Jehoram um, is another bad king. Now we come to verse uh, chapter 2. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha, I want to call him Elisha, but Elisha, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal, okay, and Gilgal is just a little bit north of Jerusalem in, in Jericho. And Elijah said to Elisha, or Elisha, I'm just going to say Elisha so I don't get confused as much. Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Now, my study Bible says it's not really clear why Elijah wants Elisha to stay back. Maybe... You know, is he jealous because he's going to take over, or is he just not, you know, certain about what God's will is? Who knows? But he's wanting him to stay back for some reason, maybe to protect him. We don't get into it, but he says, just stay back. But Elisha says, as the Lord lives, as you live yourself, I will not leave you. Maybe he's saying, you know, just to say, you don't need to do this. So they went to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to um, uh, Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. So Elijah's sort of going to these towns, you know, maybe to say goodbye to these prophets. And um, maybe Elijah just doesn't want any... um, attention drawn to himself. Who knows? But Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. So now he's going to go to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you live yourself, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, do you know today that the Lord will take your master from you? And he answered, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. And then Elijah said to him, please stay here For the Lord has sent me to the Jordan, but as he said, as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And then um, there were some sons of the prophets. They were standing by the Jordan. Verse 8, then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water, and the water was parted to one side and to the other. And the two of them could go over on dry ground. Verse 9. So he's parting the Jordan just like Joshua crosses the Jordan River when the when he's leading the nation into the promised land. And then you've got, um, just like Moses, part of the Dead Sea. Okay, so Elijah does this. So when they had crossed, verse 9, Elijah said to Elisha, What shall I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. You know, I want, and this is a, 
a custom that the firstborn could ask of the father a double portion of the inheritance. And he said, verse 10, this is Elijah responding, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Verse 11, And they still went on and talked. Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, verse 12, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other in Elisha went over. So now Elisha parts the Jordan. <clears throat> just like Moses had parted the Red Sea, just like Joshua had the Jordan parted, just like Elijah just did, now Elisha just did, does it. McGee makes the point that Elijah was a great, great prophet, but maybe Elisha was an even greater prophet. Why? Because he gets a double portion of Elijah's spirit, or of the, I mean, of, of God's spirit, of the Holy Spirit, because he had asked for that, and he sees it, so he's got a double whammy. Whereas Elijah was a very public prophet, he does a lot of things in front of a lot of people. Elisha was more of a personal prophet, we'll see, according to what McGee is teaching. So in any event, verse 15, now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them. They said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed on the ground before him. And they said to him, behold, now they are, there are with your servants 50 strong men. Please let them go and seek your master. For it may be that the spirit of the Lord has caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or upon some valley. In other words, these guys just saw this miracle, but they don't understand he's taken all the way to heaven. They think maybe he's somewhere else. And he said, you shall not sin. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, okay, send them. They sent 50 men, and for three days they sought for him, but did not find him. And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho, and he said to them, did I not say to you, do not go? You know, didn't I tell you? Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. And he said to them, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him, and he went to the spring of the water, threw salt in it, and said, Thus says the Lord, I've healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day, according to the word that Elisha spoke. So, uh, McGee says that even today, in these days, that the water there um, in the city of Jericho is supposed to be sweet water. But he said when he was there visiting, he didn't drink it. <laughs> but um, in any event, um, that's what the 
that's where we come to today. So we see Elijah taken up into heaven and Elisha taken over for him. So we'll stop here. We'll take up our study again tomorrow. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you here next time tomorrow. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. And also, we'll be praying for Matali as she continues her travel. And also, uh, Audrey, who's traveling with her. God bless you all. And we'll see you next time tomorrow.